This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome to Tech Talk right here on High FM. And boy, oh boy, have the last 10 days been absolutely insane from a tech point of view. Just returned from IFA in Berlin. I'll talk a lot about that later because there's just so many things I saw, so many new things from so many different manufacturers, some really, really interesting big picture stuff regarding how technology is evolving, where we're going on the whole tech front, who is the leaders, who's playing what. And it's just absolutely insane to spend the time walking around the halls, talking to the people, the movers and the shakers, the guys that actually make stuff happen, listen to the keynotes with Qualcomm, uh, with Huawei, with other guys that are involved deeply in the growth, the development, and the sort of innovation that happens in the whole um, online technology space. So huge, huge stuff happening. Some of it really under the the radar, something you won't notice until it happens or suddenly becomes part of your every day. But there's some big stuff going on, not least the European Union dealing with Google, dealing with Facebook, creating all sorts of interesting dynamics around big tech. The USA also getting involved. A lot of talk about the whole uh, Trump trade war. Interestingly enough, the IFA German and European position on this is that it's an unnecessary distraction and this make America great again. They didn't say that in as many words, but essentially they feel that it's what it's done. It's created an enormous challenge for the industry and the industry is so integrated across countries, across continents, across everything that it's almost impossible to detangle what is going on. A company in England sells technology to a company in America. That company licenses it to a company in Taiwan and China. They then manufacture parts across the world in India, Australia, even some bits in South Africa, put it together in China and ship it to customers globally. How in heaven's name do you unravel that meticulously constructed both legal, intellectual property and physical world in a way that makes sense that one country such as America can benefit or not be taken advantage of. And I'm not going into the whole story. It's definitely not the scope of this show. But essentially, technology is no longer just a thing. It's actually surprising that people see it as a gadget. It's pretty much how the world works today, how we we live our lives. We get up in the morning with technology. We go to sleep with technology. And I'll talk a bit about that later. Fitbit have got ways to improve the way you sleep through technology. So, so much revolves around what we do and how we interact in the new technology world. Our work is part of technology. Technology drives the jobs that we've all got going forward. And I mean, it was quite fascinating. I told many people I have a radio show in South Africa. And the minute I said a show, they didn't hear radio. They heard, oh, so you're a blogger. You do blogs. I said, no, 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 no. I have a online. In fact, tell all your friends if you miss the show or you haven't got time or you're going into a meeting, you can absolutely listen to the show um, Anytime you want by simply streaming it live or downloading it from our website, chaifm.com. Go look for Tech Talk on a Thursday under podcasts, and there you have it. So, yes, I suppose I am a new age blogger, and I am blogging this out to the world, but it is a live radio show. It's people interacting. You can send me messages. I'm talking here 
in studio uh, for the most part, and we are talking through technology. It's absolutely astonishing. Now, before I get into the news of the week, and I'm going to break the show down into two major announcements. One, the IFA show, what happened, all the stuff that went down there, and some of the highlights, because there's way too much to talk about in one hour, and I, and I think you'll all just glaze over from the number of, of products that I saw and touched and played with and interacted with. And also the big Apple announcement, which happened last night, about all the new products and services. And I've got some great announcements as to availability. Cost not so much, but I can predict on that. And um, all the services that are coming to South Africa, which should be pretty, pretty awesome. So your streaming just got better and better. But we'll be back straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And I'm going to leap straight into it. Essentially, last week, I spent a good part of the week at a trade show in Berlin called IFA. It is now Europe's largest trade fair by a huge margin. But it showcases the launches of some of the biggest electronics from the biggest brands around the world. And it started, interestingly enough, in 1924 as a radio convention, which works really well for me since we're talking to you on radio. But it was a major radio convention. And at one of the keynotes, they actually showed that Albert Einstein opened in 1930, I think. He opened one of the shows and they highlighted some of the radio gadgets that they were selling. So it has a long history in terms of technology. The big difference between that and CES, which some people have seen, which is probably one of the largest tech shows in the world, is that I would say 90 to 95% of the product that I saw on the floor will either be on sale or already was on sale in the stores around Europe and the world. So it wasn't a, a whole lot of product that was super cool, may never hit the light of day unless they got an order. These were actual products that were available, going out for sale for the holiday period. And for the most part, the brands that are represented in South Africa, the big ones, the Samsungs, the Lenovo's, the LG's, all those guys, their products will also be available in South Africa um, within the next couple of months. So it's really a great insight into what is happening in the in the consumer tech world. And also, which is quite interesting, they had big exhibitors from, from Bosch, from AEG, from Miele. So the home um, consumer products, all the way down to hand beaters, you name it, they had them there. And I didn't spend whole lot of time in those halls because, you know, cookers and fridges and washing machines are not really my beat. I don't think you'd want to hear about the latest, you know, bubble washing machine on this show. But what is really interesting is just the sheer level of integration of technology. One of the hottest growing areas in tech are smart speakers. Now, smart speakers running either on the Google Home platform or the Alexa platform or the SmartThings platform from um, Samsung, or the ThinkQ platform from LG, and very much smaller and a lot more niche in South Africa, at least, is the Apple um, Siri platform or the HomeKit platform. So, but what is substantial? What is a really big deal? What what I did see a massive amount of is connected everything. And I've said this before, but the depth, the breadth, and the sheer functionality of all these connected things via 
home speakers via um, apps, just being interacted with, operated, managed, and improved via an app. So you've got cooking devices that have the ac- that have access to massive databases in the cloud of recipes, methodologies, things that you need to do in order to cook whatever you want to cook or make whatever you want to make in the kitchen. And those recipes are available online, sometimes on the device, sometimes on an app, sometimes on your TV, sometimes on the screen on your fridge. But you name it, those sort of things are all happening and happening at scale. So it's no longer science fiction. I mean, you can call up on your fridge um, a recipe you want to make for supper. The fridge itself will then check out what's inside the fridge and tell you what ingredients you have to make what you want to make and what ingredients you don't have and what you should order. It could then place the order immediately with Amazon um, or whatever, some of the supermarkets in even in Europe, um, and those things will be delivered within the hour, including fresh items like milk and greens, you name it, can be delivered within an hour for you to make. It then programs the oven in order to allow you to um, make exactly that. And, I mean, there's even one absolutely amazing oven. I saw it last year, but they've refined it further, where you can bake a cake and cook a fish in the same oven at the same time, and both of them will cook absolutely perfectly with no smell of fish on your cake. Now, you just imagine the technology that goes into that. It looks like a normal oven. It's got some fancy name. It's from uh, Miele. But it can do that. It can actually bake a cake, cook a roast, fry some fish, whatever you name it, all in the same space with minimal uh, interaction between the two. So the growth of home tech, the growth of smart tech, the growth of the connected home is actually becoming exponential from the lighting, all voice enabled, all handled in the cloud, to the heating, to the cooling, to the cooking, to the cleaning, robotic vacuum cleaners absolutely everywhere doing everything. It is absolutely insane the sheer quantity and quality of these products still still a little bit early in terms of absolute mass production but the big brands are all there doing medium to high-end pricing but there were a ton of smaller brands smaller guys from from the east a lot of them from Europe, a company called Arcelic, which owns Defy in South Africa. Uh, these They are a company out of Turkey. They make a whole range of very affordable smart appliances. Um, and so, so expect to see next time you go shopping for your vacuum cleaner, for your fridge, for whatever it is that you're shopping for, you're going to find that this is a smart thing. It either comes with an app or it'll talk to Siri or Alexa or something and um, do stuff that you actually never even thought of it doing. It'll vacuum the house, go charge itself, then come back and scrub the floors. And it's just a mind-boggling array of of home tech and consumer tech that absolutely works in the most remarkable way. One thing our dear friends at uh, ESCOM should really get on the ball with is that there are so many devices that you can set up using technology to turn on only when power is at its at is off its peak. So in other words, all your cleaning, all your washing, all your drying, all your um, dishwashers can switch on automatically after 12 at night, uh, run at a lower electricity price, take the power off the, take the strain off the grid, and um, 
do it at a, at a really special price, which is available in Europe and America. They have special rates for off-peak usage, which makes perfect sense because electricity is one of those things that you can't store. Well, more and more you can store with batteries. But generally, if a plant's generating X megawatts of power, at 12 o'clock when everyone switches off their lights, switches off their, their appliances, goes to sleep, that megawatt, that 100 megawatt or gigawatt or whatever power is still being generated and it's actually going nowhere. It's just getting lost in the the ether, heating up wires across the country and actually not being used. No strain on the grid and off you go. So, so many smart things are happening. So many smart ways of operating in this new technological world. It is pretty, pretty much insane. But now, um, straight after the break, I'm going, I'm not doing a tech talk cafe today because uh, number one, I did do a couple of interviews, but they're terrible in that mad place. Too much noise, too much going on. Um, what I'm going to do is just step through some of the, the key gadgets, the key technology trends, the key cool TVs that I saw. Um, and then I'm going to go into the big Apple announcement for the, the remainder of the show, tell you what's coming from Apple and what all the new services and the new Apple um, watches, phones, and gizmos that are coming in the next very short while, interestingly enough. So I'll be back straight after this, and we're going to talk all about my favorite and key gadgets of IFA 2019. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And just before we get into all the gizmos and gadgets, which I had a really good time playing with and looking at and talking about last week, I have a quick live read. And this is actually very pertinent. Have you got an invention that you want to protect? Are you an innovative thinker who wants to commercialize those inventions? The area of patent law is a complex field, and that is why it it is important to have a team with vast amounts of experience to get your invention the protection that it deserves. Because this is a big world, and guys can, you know, take advantage of other people. So call them on 011-886-3001, 011-886-3001, or mail, email them at info at radamea.co.za. These are Radamea attorneys, you imagine, they protect it. So give them a call on 011-886-3001 or info at rada, R-A-D-E-M-E-Y-E-R dot C-O dot Z-A. So now, the back onto some of the cool, cool, cool stuff. One of the first things that I saw, and, and again, because a lot of the product is available or rather has been announced prior to IFA because IFA is simply a show which is not only open to the trade and the industry, it's open to the public for four days. And I went to one of the public days. It was complete bedlam. Berlin is slammed over the weekend at the public. It really is a pan-European event. Tons of people come, consumers, not trade, not press, not industry. They come, it's set up for them to touch, feel, brush their teeth at the Philips stand, enjoy coffee at the meal, at the Miele stand and at the Nespresso stand. It's very consumer friendly. They show the technology, they sell the technology, they make sure that people can come. If you're looking for something new, you can come there and compare everything that's available on the market pretty much. And some stuff you never knew was on the market. Um, and, and, and actually make a purchasing decision. They don't sell at the show, but all the major retailers tend to have the stock. So, for example, the latest 8K TVs, and I'll talk a little bit about that, both Samsung, LG, um, Sharp, Panasonic, and every, and Sony were highlighting and showing off 
two versions of the latest 8K TVs on the market. And I know we've hardly even got everybody onto a 4K TV, and 4K streaming is still a little bit more expensive and still a little bit unusual because you need a really decent 50 meg or above um, internet connection to stream real uh, 4K HD to your TV. That being said, they've already moved on. There is a ton of 8K TV, starting as small as 55 inches, which is maybe not a, the best use of an 8K TV. The benefit of 8K is that it has four times the resolution of a 4K TV. So now a 4K TV has four times the resolution of an HD TV. So when you're talking 16, 4 by 4 it's 16 times the resolution of an HD TV. You have to be... You have, you cannot understand how unbelievable an, uh, an 8K TV's picture is. You can walk right up to it. You can look within an inch of the screen and you barely can see the little dots or the little squares that make up the picture. And when you step away, just an arm's length away from the TV, it looks like a photograph. You're seeing pictures on TV that are photographic in nature, in brightness, in color, contrast, in, it's just absolutely astonishing. My pick of the show was the LG 88-inch um, uh, 8K TV. It's an OLED TV, as as I've, um, you've probably heard me bang on about over the last couple of years. OLED is an emissive technology. In other words, every single dot on the screen emits light on its own. There's no backlight like an LCD TV. LCD has a liquid crystal screen. Whether it's Q, uh, QLED or whatever you call it, any LED TV has... Um, a sheet of liquid crystal on the front with light at the back. The latest generation of LED TVs and the top end of the Samsung and the Sony and the LG range that are not OLEDs. Samsung only do QLED, which is a, a different technology somewhat, but still LCD based, have as almost as many real lights as they have um, pixels. So you get what is called very, very, very full array local dimming. In other words, the benefit of an emissive technology, when the light is off, it's black. There's no light. With liquid crystal, because you've got a general light at the back and the liquid crystal never switches off completely, it's not 100% opaque, you get a little bit of bleed through, a little bit of gray. It's never absolutely black. The difference is contrast ratios go from hundreds of thousands to millions um, using the different technologies. And the, the, the bigger the contrast, the better the quality. The only negative of OLED technology, it doesn't get quite as bright as LCD or QLED technology. So sometimes in certain instances, very bright rooms, um, OLED can look a little washed out and a little dim. But for all other uses, I must say that OLED technology, and it's been embraced by all manufacturers, pretty much all manufacturers. I saw OLED from absolutely all the the top-end guys and all of the second-tier guys like Skyworth and... um, uh, Sorry, the names escaped me for the moment. But I saw tons of them. But the big news was 8K is mainstream. The pricing has essentially halved from last year. It's still premium. It's still very expensive. And at 88 and above, up to 120 inches, you're talking prices that are in the hundreds of thousands of rands. In fact, Samsung launched a million rand TV in South Africa based on QLED LCD technology, but still, um, it's still a very premium product. But the difference is in one year, the prices have halved. When it would have been 200,000 rand last year, you can now get the same or better quality, better processes, slightly better enhanced screens for half that price, 100,000. Still nuts money, but 
this is where the technology is going. So expect to see 8K and very ultra-high-definition TV um, becoming mainstream within the next year or two at prices that current 4K top-end TVs, we're talking between 30 and 65,000 Rand, depending on the size, um, so call it 2,000 to 5,000 US dollars, those sort of pricing is going to be the new 8K TV. So 4K will continue. There'll still be a lot of development going on there. Top-end TVs from Sony, Samsung, LG. My pick of the bunch in terms of picture quality was interestingly the Sony using LG's panel, but they seem to tweak and tune it to the nth degree. It just has a reality that I don't see in other TVs. Um, obviously, the LG um, OLED panels also have been tweaked and updated to the latest processors, some really cool, slim designs, and very good quality. Pricing has also dropped somewhat for the for the new year, 2019-2020. So really well worth looking at a 4K 65-inch. Um, That's now the new size. The biggest selling size of TV is now 65-inch. It used to be 55. It's now 65-inch. And Tons of those were on show and at prices that are, are extremely af- uh, approachable. Unfortunately, Sony's not available in South Africa at this stage. Some of their uh, personal electronics and cameras are and cell phones, of course. But definitely, unfortunately, their TVs are not. And I honestly thought they were the best quality picture of all the TVs that I saw at uh, IFA. Now, moving on to the next thing that I saw, I spent some time with one of my sort of favorite brands, and I've spoken about them on the on the radio um, quite a bit, and that was Fitbit. Fitbit have launched, didn't do a whole lot of brand new things this year. I think they've had a pretty hectic year of releasing new products, and they had two very interesting announcements, linked to some extent, but certainly... Um, not entirely linked. What they announced was the Versa 2. Now, the Versa, which was launched last year, came in two flavors. It was a Versa and a Versa Basic. They then launched the Versa Lite. The Versa Basic had all the functions of the Versa, but no NFC, no uh, Fitbit Pay, which, again, I used extensively in Europe. It's an absolute pleasure on the underground in London. You just tap your watch. It acts like a standard NFC uh, tap card, like a pay, uh, contactless card. You could pay for the underground, you could pay for the bus, you could pay for all sorts of things just using your wrist. Sweet, easy, slick, like Apple Pay, which we don't have in this country, but available on a much lower cost um, Fitbit device, which is great. This, what they've done now is replace the entire Versa range. The light continues, but the Versa 2 is now the new device. They've improved the screen considerably. It's an OLED screen. It's bright. It's bigger than the previous version. The construction of the body is better. Um, Its functionality has been slightly enhanced in terms of overall compatibility. There's a whole range of really interesting straps, though I must say that I did mention to them that the strap on accessory availability in South Africa has been traditionally a little bit poor, something that they said they would look into. Let's see if that changes. And um, a trend which I'll talk about in the in the um, Apple announcement of allowing you to buy a bare base watch and then choose whatever strap you want, both in retail and um, online, is definitely something that they should look at in terms of how they sell the verses, but at this stage they come with a standard, uh, really nice quality uh, silicon strap, which really works well. I I played with it in demo mode. I haven't had a chance to really play with it, so I can't review it per se. But 
I tried one on, super comfortable, really nice pebble-like look, high-quality screen was really good, especially in the bright lights of the show. It has all the latest functionality of um, Fitbit, so sleep tracking, activity tracking. It has, it doesn't, the one, and it will sell in South Africa in the three and a half thousand rand range. So it's significantly cheaper than other competitive smartwatches. It has two new things. One, Fitbit Pay or NFC Pay is standard across the, the Versa 2 range. Really great and easy to use. But it has also added one more thing. In conjunction with Amazon, they've, inclu- they've included Alexa. And it was just so interesting. One of the ladies there who was showing me this stuff said she's got a new kid. And as we all know, children, babies are hugely time-consuming. You're always running around. Your hands are always full. And it's not often easy just to do stuff because your hands are really busy. So what... um what she said she's used Alexa for, and it, I tried it, it works extremely well, is to do all the daily tasks. Hi, Alexa, switch on the, the lights. Hi, Alexa, um, order me XYZ from Amazon. Hi, Alexa, uh, make a call to so-and-so. Hi, Alexa, make an appointment for me with so-and-so. All this type of stuff, and I really tried it. Again, the ecosystem is not very well developed within the South African context, but overseas, Alexa has millions of what they call um, functions and functionality that you can do, tasks that have been pre-set up, and all you have to do is say, hey, Alexa, and off it goes and does whatever it need, you need it to do within certain parameters. It's not quite the same as a really smart, intelligent assistant. It talks back to you if you give it a bit of a hard time. But generally, if you understand the types of commands that you want the types of things, certain cars in in Europe and the U.S. because of the weather, you can actually say, hey, Alexa, turn my car on and increase the temperature to 20 degrees. When it's minus 30 out there and the snow's been going, it would be lovely to run through the the slush to your car, hop in, and it's already running and warm. Now, (laughs) cool stuff, but all possible through the Alexa app on the phone. On the watch, and this is a first for Alexa, so I think that is really, really, really smart. The other thing Fitbit announced, and that will be coming to South Africa very soon. I haven't got the local pricing. Oh, the Versa 2 will will be available in South Africa in earlyish October, so in about a month's time, we should be able to get the Versa 2 here. Pricing, I believe, will be in the 3,500 Rand range, and my impression of the old Versa and the new Versa, it is not a full-function smartwatch. It is not the same as a Galaxy Gear Watch. It's not the same as an Apple Watch, but it is a very good activity tracker with some useful smart watch functionality. It works with your phone. GPS does not. It's not built in, so you need your phone if you want to GPS track with it. There are, if you're a serious sportsman, then there are, let's say, better devices from Garmin, Suunto, and people like that. But if you're a, a casual weekend warrior, you want to track your health, track your sleep, do all this type of sort of normalish um, stuff, and operate through Alexa, have some smart functionality, then the Versa's really got great price for functionality and quality. It now looks the part. The bands I saw really can elevate it above the sort of standard black plastic type vibe. comes in some really interesting colors. The screen is great. It's very, very functional. And um, the next thing that 
and the app is actually extremely good. It's got great food tracking, great activity tracking, some exceptional sleep tracking and sleep advice. But what um, Fitbit also announced, or Soft announced at the show, their big announcement will come in the next month, but it should be available in the next week or two in South Africa, is a premium service, which will cost in the U.S. somewhere in the region of 9.99 a month, which is not cheap. It's about 160, 170 rand. Um, but it offers you a host of features that are really good. Very, very personalized health tracking. So right now, everything you see about sleep is generic. Um, your heart rate information, the sleep, all the advice that's given is pretty much generic. In other words, it's averaged and generic in, in its overall impact. Useful, but imagine if that was absolutely personalized to your heartbeat, to your sleep patterns, to your activity patterns, and advice was given as to when you should exercise, what you should exercise, how much you should run, and in conjunction with the already available um, activity guides, this will become an enormously powerful way to monitor, maintain, and train. And for that, considering you're paying more than triple that for a uh, personal trainer at any one of the gyms, for one session, this is one payment for the month, which will give you a huge amount of very personalized data based on absolute body um, information that is obtained through the watch and through the app. So I haven't tried it. I, it it's actually popped up on my phone. Uh, in the last day or two, so I will sign up and give it a roll and see how it how, what it does. But I have played with the various components of it. The running, gym, and activity training sessions are pretty good. And overall, I think this could become a, a really smart way to actually do and manage your health and fitness in a way that you have a coach in your pocket, on your wrist, and unlike any other coach, it actually uses your heart rate, your activity, your speed, your everything to do that is personal to you, your sleep patterns and everything, your VO2 max, all that stuff that's being picked up by the sensors in the watch and customized through their massive informational databases. I mean, for example, they have got sleep data on billions of uh, of, of sleep points on millions, tens of millions of people. So there's absolutely huge amounts of, of information that can be used. And I think they're just at the tip of the iceberg in terms of where they are going and what they are doing with this. Now, moving on, I see that our time is, is running away really, really fast. So I was super impressed. But from a wearables and, and, and that point of view, the amount of new product there seems to be quite a big resurgence on on all the uh, the new wearables, and I saw a ton of new watches from a lot of people. But the other major and significant um, announcement was something called the View from Garmin, and I'll tell you a little bit about that and some of the other bits and pieces that I saw in a few minutes. But as I said, I just saw so many things; it's very very difficult to go through everything that I saw. But um, we'll be back straight after this, and um, I'll carry on telling you about some of the cool gadgets that I saw at IFA. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And just to um, quickly give you another live read, and this is from um, Kosher World. They want to thank all their customers, be it near or far. They want to say thank you. We appreciate your continued and valued support. 
Kosher World wishes you and your respective families, friends, and our entire community, Shana Tova Umatuka. Now, moving back to our little gizmos and gadgets. As I said, handheld, uh, wearable devices, and at the, the IFA keynote, we generally, just to set the scene, that electronics or consumer electronics globally is going through a little bit of a tough period. To summarize why, the trade wars with China have definitely put a damper on things. The tariffs that have been implemented by the USA, the, 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 the sort of counter-tariffs from China have created a massive little bubble or problem in the market. Trade has slowed. Products have got become more expensive because of the bans, and I'll talk a little bit about that as well in two minutes, of Huawei. The, the, the tech ecosystem has, has shattered a little, and a lot of manufacturing has been moved out of China, and that puts delays, creates problems, takes focus away from innovation. So there has been a slight downturn in the sale and the general trade flow around technology. But the one area, personal technology, handhelds, watches, um, not phones. Phones are also, unfortunately, down for lots of good reasons. But the one hot area is handhelds. And um, when I say handhelds, I'm talking about portable cleaners and toothbrushes and, most importantly, uh, wearables. Watches, activity trackers, health trackers are up, which is great. And into that space, obviously, plays Fitbit, who have done amazingly well considering what they're up to, and Garmin, which are well-known, used to be the... the um, the people that told you where to go. Now your phone does that. But Garmin's range of watches has been growing enormously, and they launched something called the Garmin Venue um, at the show. And this is one of the first to have an AMOLED screen. And it's a big change because generally I found as much as the quality of the, of the Garmin watches was great, they had unbelievable tracking and activity functionality, which in many ways was class leading but now they've got one that looks the part it's as vibrant and as bright as the other watches on the market along with all the various fitness and health features that you could need there's obviously the heart rate monitors it's also got gps and they've got a vast range of sports from running yoga strength training you name it it can also track sleep it's a bit big and and difficult i would imagine going to sleep with it Maybe not a great idea, but they've added stress, respiration, menstrual cycles, your hydration. It'll alert you to abnormal heart rates. It'll monitor your energy levels, which I found really cool. It'll actually give you a score and tell you you shouldn't be a, your energy levels are low. Perhaps take a light jog or a walk rather than get stuck into a into a a massive uh, you know a marathon type thing. It's not going to be cheap. It's certainly in the Apple sort of. Apple Watch range, it's going to be in the seven to 10,000 Rand range, depending. Uh, it will be hitting South Africa sometime between November and December. And it looks like a really promising watch for people who want all the smart smartwatch functionality, but also are looking for really hardcore, high-end uh, tr- uh, sports tracking and sports information that 
in conjunction with their app that perhaps Fitbit is just not aiming at that market. So if you're a serious cycler, runner, outdoorsman, sportsman, you name it, that watch could be absolutely the one to beat. There were a ton of others. Uh, The Viva Active range from from Garmin, they've updated that to Viva Active 4. I'm going to try to get a couple of those to play with. It really was um, very, very, very interesting what was going on in that space. The other area that was interesting, even though smartphones um, globally are in a bit of a lull, people are keeping their phones longer, there's not been massive innovation. We'll talk about that now. Um, Huawei announced that uh, announced their new Kirin 990 chipset, and 5G was a huge talking point across um, uh, across EFA. Connectivity using high-speed 5G is mainstream. There are networks. There were 300 or, th- or 190 sites up and running in Germany, not least at EFA. I saw a demo of nearly a gigabyte per second transfer on a standard LG V40 phone. Well, L standard, a 5G V40 phone using um, Qualcomm's last processor. So the first one out of the, the, the blocks was obviously Qualcomm with their 550 chipset, but it did not have an integrated modem. In other words, the modem section, the chipset was ready for 5G, but the modem was a separate, separate chip, which increases cost, also increases the size of the phone. But Huawei announced their new Kirin 990 chipset using some of the latest technology in the space. Unbelievable performance um, and a built-in 5G uh, modem. So in other words, it's a one-stop, one-chip solution to an entire 5G phone. They will be announcing that chip in the first commercial phone using it, which will be Mate 30 on the 19th of September. But here is where the trade wars become a little bit of a challenge. I know I've spoken about what's happening with Huawei and the ban. Well, they're still on the entity list. They're still banned. The extension has been given. And I just heard right now that uh, a further extension on tariffs uh, that were implemented on 1 September have been have been given. So tariffs on a whole host of things, both in China and in America, have been given back. Hopefully this trade war will um, slow things down a little, will slow down a little, and sanity will prevail. But the net effect is that the Mate 30, which is Huawei's flagship phone, and I've been invited to the launch here in Johannesburg, so we'll get all the answers then, may not launch with Google services, which is absolutely problematic for anybody looking at a brand new phone in South Africa. If a phone does not have Google Maps, does not have any of the Google things, it may not even have Facebook or Twitter on it um, or any of the other social media apps that you use, would you buy such a phone because it has a highly advanced camera or a highly advanced 5G processor? Therein lies the rub. But TCL, which is the which are the makers of BlackBerry, also announced a really great phone. Sony brought back their new compact phone with an Xperia 5, a great new phone. The Samsung Galaxy Fold was launched, and that's their folding phone, was on display, was launched in uh, Korea, and should be launched sometime later this month in South Africa. They appear to have fixed everything. Nokia also launched two new uh, mid-range handsets, which will look really cool, excellent value for money. They are coming to South Africa in the next little while. And Motorola had a whole new range of, of smartphones that they launched, not coming to South Africa for the moment. And we won't see them until, well, I don't know 
when, but I'm going to engage with Lenovo, who own Motorola, and find out about that. LG also didn't launch anything particularly exciting, though they took their LG 8X into a dual-screen type phone, which looks and feels like a foldable phone, but essentially it is a smartphone with two high-quality screens and some really smart functionality to use the screen. So you can be playing a game on the one or both and answer the phone and answer your mail on the other. So it was pretty slick. It was pretty cool, but I don't believe that it's the answer to the dual-screen thing, and it just adds a thickness and a weight to a phone that I don't think will suit everybody. The, the other foldable phones... Uh, from Huawei, the Mate X, will be a 5G phone, but this whole story with Google is putting a bit of a damper on that, so who knows where we're going with that. So we'll be back straight after this, and I'll do a quick wrap-up because (laughs) the time has run away with me, and I just want to quickly go through what Apple announced yesterday and what it means for South Africa. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back, and I can see my time has run out, so I'm going to go through a quick um, overview of what Apple launched last night. Essentially, I think they've, just to summarize, I think nothing major, nothing, they haven't reshaped the smartphone space, but what they have done is they've brought the Apple iPhone range with the new Apple 11 and 11 Pro right up to date. And in the one area where I think they had slipped in the last year where the Samsungs and the Huawei's had really taken the lead, the camera, I think Apple have used their massive computing power and their prowess in software to really, really bring the Apple phones right up to the cutting edge of of smartphone photography and perhaps even take them a little beyond where the other guys are. Essentially, the the iPhone X which was their entry-level aluminium-bodied phone, now gains two cameras, a wide-angle and an ultra-wide-angle camera, um, along with the new A13 chip and video coprocessor and the video processor for the screen in in six beautiful new colors and a, a really crafted rear back where all the cameras sit with a little bulge. It no longer looks like a little add-on. It's one piece of glass. Overall, um, Massively improved camera ability, massively improved video ability, and the amount of software computational trickery that Apple have managed to cram into a standard camera, all keeping it easy and and simple to use, is incredible. They also dropped the price a little of the of the new iPhone 11, which was the old iPhone uh, XR, and I think. That is a really a good move. It probably won't change the price in South Africa. Anyway, the big announcement is the Apple iPhones, for all you uh, people out there who are keen to get your hands on uh, a great new I- Apple iPhone, will be on the 27th of September, a week after the global launch of 20th of September. So a week later, those phones will be available in South Africa, um, and that has been confirmed by the core group, who are the distributors of Apple in South Africa. So the, that's the um, iPhone 11. And what they've done is they've taken the iPhone 11, which was the old XR, the XS and XS Max. Um, they've renamed them the iPhone 11 Pro and Pro Max. And essentially, they've retained the stainless steel body. The phones are slightly thicker, slightly heavier, but not that when you put them side by side, they're going to look very, very similar. Some people have said that that's not a great thing. But what they've done is they've added an additional camera. Those phones, the 
XS came with two cameras. They're now three. Again, the wide-angle, ultra-wide-angle, and a telephoto lens. But what is significant about this is that the software and the hardware will use all three cameras to add data to the pictures and improve the pictures. And, I mean, you can pick it up online. There's just so many features that um, that are available. <laughs> But they have a new night mode, which is something that uh, Google, Samsung, and Huawei have been doing for a little while, and it looks absolutely astonishing. You've now got full times four optical, four times optical zoom, which again is a huge, huge um, improvement on where they were before. What is really significant is on the Pro range, they've actually added up to five hours of extra battery life, which is a combination of a really high-quality processor in the the new processor, and a lot of other areas. So overall, an incredibly solid and well-crafted new range of phones. The pricing of the of the iPhone 11 will be slightly lower, I believe, than the current uh, iPhone XR, but the Pros will be pretty much the same prices. So expect steep 18 to 25,000 Rand, depending on what you choose. The other big announcement, and I have to get this out there before I get chased out of studio, is that the new gaming service will be available in South Africa on the 19th of September at round about 70 bucks a month. There are tons of, of really cool games. If you're a gamer, casual or even semi-serious, it's really well worth it. And it will, you can use the, your, your four, your $4.99 or 70 rand a month for up to six members of the family. The next thing that will also be coming to South Africa on 1 November is Apple TV Plus at a ridiculous price of around about 70 rand, also $4.99. Now, put that in context. They have very limited content right now. It's not going to replace Netflix anytime soon. But they've got some really interesting series. They're throwing enormous amounts of money at their content. I've streamed a couple of their their um their previews on an on an Apple TV and the quality is pretty much insane. So I think this is going to be an, an amazing addition to your streaming bouquet and the pricing is really competitive, a lot cheaper, about around about half the price of um of Netflix. And if you buy any Apple gear over the next little while, you'll get one year free subscription for nothing. So I think it's just a brilliant piece of marketing, a brilliant way to grab massive market share because I'll probably send 30 million devices in the next little while. And on that note, I'm being chased out of the studios. I'll have to top up all the other bits and gizmos next week. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for staying tuned in and listening to all the gadgets, gizmos, and, and whatnot here on High FM with Stephen Ambrose on Tech Talk.